you for listening to Black Women Are Scary, the podcast that celebrates people of color writing horror. We conclude our flash fiction frenzy with Ariel R. Johnson, owner of Amalgam Comics and Coffee House in Philadelphia. So let's lean in and listen to some scary black women. short whatever I was was. so I don't know what it's like to stick out in that way okay this is like a good segue into like my first question about like (laughs) the first which is pioneering and representing and things like that you know words that are often used when with um in regards to black women who run things Mm -hmm. (laughs) so how do you feel about being a pioneer I've seen this in lots of articles about you because it's like the first uh black woman to do this the first so yeah how do you feel about that um that I mean so that's a that is a difficult question um I I guess because it's so um it's so multifaceted right so on one on one end like I, I understand the importance of it, right? Because it's, you know, it's a breakthrough. It is that representation, as you said. Um, it is encouragement, you know, for mm. people who had similar visions or dreams or even just wanted to do anything that seemed impossible or anything that um, seemed like, oh, do I belong in that space? You know, for me being a black woman specifically in comics and that nerd world, you know, yeah. part of it is fighting for space in a, and, you know, because there are segments of that world that don't want people that look like me and you there. Yeah. Right. 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 And so not only saying, oh, I like comics, but saying like, no, I'm going to be a part of this industry and I'm going to carve my own place for it. Right. So, so, you know, I, I get all of that and the importance of that is like, you know, there, there are women that have done things that I look up to, um, you know, just kind of a, across disciplines, like, mm-hmm. you know, Misty Copeland and, right, um, right. Is, is, you know, that's, it's such a huge deal. Um, I've been dancing for most of my life and to be a black girl in a ballet class is to basically be told you're, you don't have the right body. Mm, right. Yeah, and she gets a lot of, you know, criticism she's criticized for how muscular she is and all that Mm -hmm. because that's not traditionally what ballerinas look like but she's existing as her black self in this space right so that is like so inspiring and you know for especially for little girls that want to be dancers that's like something to keep your your eye on while you're doing the hard work um so yeah so so on that end it's like yes I get it and I love it and I embrace it but then on the other end of that, it's there's like Ariel as a person. Yeah. Um, and I think when you are the first and the this and the that, um, first of all, I think people have like, feel like they have ownership over you in a weird way. Mm. Um, you know, and it's like, well, you know, it, again, it's so sometimes people just feel like they should have access to you because they want it. 
Mm. You know, like folks just, oh, oh, you can't stop right now and and talk with me and take a picture. And it's like, no, actually, I can't because I'm, you know, I am actually running a business and I'm I have to go. Like, I, I don't have time to stop and do this or that. And people, you know, and then sometimes people get upset about that because they're like, well, I came to support you because I read about you and da 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 and it's like and I appreciate and as I appreciate that it's never like I don't appreciate it but that doesn't mean my whole schedule can't revolve around who just kind of walks in and decides they want to occupy my time it's like mm-hmm. and that's an unrealistic expectation it's like I don't know why you would expect that of anyone right it's like you can't go into Target and say I want to speak to the CEO it's like yeah, that's not how that works. You know what I mean? And I'm not yeah. saying, I'm not like, can we cuss here? Yes, you can. It's, I mean, okay, it's I, just a, didn't, I, I didn't want to. It's just a regular podcast. You. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you have to bring out the bleep button, but it's like, you know, yeah. I'm not talking from a place of like, oh, I'm big shit, da, 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 da. But, it, but the reality of it is, it's like, this is my job and I am working. And in order for Amalgam to exist, I am moving behind the scenes. I'm not sitting in a chair like Dr. Claude with my hands steeple together. It's like, I'm working. <laughs> I'm moving boxes. I'm sweating. I'm dirty. It's like, right. you know, something, you know, we just had, you know, uh, a backup in the bathroom. So now I got to go look at, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not glamorous. It's work. Right. Mm. And just because you, you, you know, you saw a picture in, in a news outlet and my makeup was done that is not me every day. That was like a special thing, you know? Um, so yeah. So sometimes I feel like I went off a little bit, but, but no, yeah, so no, no. it's it like, feels, it feels right. Bal- like balancing that. And, and so for folks to understand, it's like, yes, it is, it is important. And again, it's important because it, it breaks the ceiling. It starts momentum for there to be more movement and for more people to come after you know, because I mean, that's the victory. It's like, okay, I might be the first to do a thing or whatever it is, but if I'm the last, then we didn't succeed, you know? Yeah, right. Um, so, so you know, all of that is important, but at the same time, it can be hard on you personally because there are a lot of demands, there are a lot, there's a lot of pulling um, and assumptions about you and your time and what you can commit to and what you even have the the bandwidth to do which is unreal because it's like, I'm also a person, I have a family, I have responsibilities separate from this business. And I have to think about those things too. And you have to give people space to be human. Mm. And so sometimes that's the thing with being like the the first, you know, this pioneer, it's, your humanity can get stripped away a little bit. And do you think that that has to do at all with gender and race? I mean, or is that just like, what it means to be in the spotlight. I I think I feel like I see that just in general for folks of like people thinking of them as objects and kind of forgetting that they're people. Mm-hmm. But then I also feel like there's something specific to when you are a woman and a woman of color and you're the first that people expect to have a kind of access to you and expect you to like um, take care of them in a way that I'm like, I don't know if men are getting that as well, where it, like the caretaking aspect, you know, I feel like I feel like though some of the things that you said, it's like, yeah, I've heard that even being, you know, said or like a dress, you know, 
that energy being thrown at like Oprah and Ava DuVernay, like anybody, you know, like anyone who's like in a pos position like that where they're, they're just like, yeah, that they're in that spotlight where they, they have um, ways to uplift other people. And then, yeah, they're supposed to just kind of be in this, like, yeah, there's like this element of caretaking that always has to be present when they're speaking to people or when they're speaking, addressing an audience and that people kind, kind of come to expect that. Like, after I come and I meet you, I expect a kind of like, I remember I went to see a play by Susan Mori Parks and um, I think it was called White Noise. It, it was one of these plays where like, my friend and I had to get drunk afterwards and we weren't sure if it was a brilliant play or if we hated it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but we're like, we kept, we kept going around in a circle because we're like, I don't know if I like this play of hers. Like I like, and you know, I cannot like something. I can like, I like her as a writer she can write plays that I don't like. And it's like, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. yeah. like I don't, it, it wasn't like, now I don't like her. I was just like, I don't know if I really like this work, but then we kept talking about it. And I'm like, but do I not like it? Because it's actually like, is the not liking it part of the geniusness? Of it? <laughs> it's like, if we kept going around and around in a circle, like oh, the best thing is like, but we're here. And like, we feel like we need to drink. So maybe it's one of the best works she's ever done. Cause I'm so disturbed. Right. Um, right. And I, anyhow, I remember talking about it with some other dude later. And he was also black. And, and he said, you know, I, I didn't like it because I just felt like she didn't take care of me. She just didn't oh. take care of us. And I thought that was such an interesting critique for a playwright. Or I'm like, why should she take, like, what does that mean? Like, as in, it did it make sense to you? Like, what is taking care of you look like? And should playwrights be doing that at all? Right. And how, think... and how is that like maybe a gendered critique? Um, and so I, that like ever since that moment, you know, where that person said that, and I was just, I just was like, kind of like, I didn't really comment on it, but I was just like, hmm, that's interesting. And mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm aware of, of that, which is why I was like, I want to ask you about pioneering and how you feel and how you feel about this language that's being thrown at you. Um, Cause I do yeah, I think mean... that like, that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think you hit it on the head, you know, as you were asking the question, um, I think it is true for everyone that is in the spotlight. Again, this idea of like ownership, you know, over you, it's so it's more than just the work, it starts to get personal. Oh, like, well, I want access to you. And it's like, okay, that's, but that's the line, right? It's there's the mm. work and then there's the person. Um, but I do think that the expectation specifically, like I can't, like I am a black woman. And so I am speaking from my perspective as a black woman and what I see and hear other black women say about it. And I do think that there is something about the idea of black women coming to care for you that everybody feels that. So we're, I'm talking about black men, mm -hmm. I'm talking about white women, white men, like, like there is this idea of like, oh, you're supposed to come and you know, mm. make me feel good and make me feel good about myself. And it's like, well, but are you doing anything to help me me feel good about myself? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, and again, it's this idea of this always, always this taking, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it needs to be, you know, again, you got to feed into to folks too. So I do think, you know, and I'm sure it's, you know, racism and misogyny, you know, all sure you know, rolled up into a ball and just even the roles that black women have had in society, it's always a caretaker, 
Right. You know, my my family is on both sides. My mom's my mom's family and my dad's family. They are my families are led by women. So we have matriarchs. You know, we my family yeah. is a matriarchal family um, where women stand up and take the leadership roles more often than not. Um, and then you think about black women, um, you know, working in white homes as nannies mm-hmm. and 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 even, you know, going back to enslavement, nursing, like literally white children suckling. <laughs> Yeah, and nourishing yeah. themselves from black women's bodies, and but never appreciating them, right? And so yeah. I think, yeah, I think history repeats, <laughs> and and because we have yet to like really, as a whole, like really drill down and and address those things, it's going to keep happening. It's like built in. So yeah, I I do think I think, I that's why I think black women entrepreneurs and just you know black women in the spotlight really protect yourselves because it it it's just like there are no boundaries and you have so you have to set them. Um, yeah, and people get really, really upset. Yeah, and people but I, get really I upset when you set them. Yeah, yeah, and I and I saw this thing on Instagram, and I was like, huh, I have to remember that. And it's it, it's like it said if you're a giver you know, make sure you set your limits of what you're willing to give because takers don't have any, right? So so if you're not careful to define like, no, this is my line and and you will do yourself a disservice. Yeah, yeah. And I do think it's interesting, like takers don't have any limits. Like no one who is taking thinks I've taken too much. Right. And it's true. You rarely see that people just like want and want and want and take and take and take. And it's just like, it's like they're forever hungry. Yeah. And that's, like, I mean, that's, it also makes you appreciate the folks who don't do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, cause even through, you know, through owning this business, it's like you, you find your people. It's like, I know who, mm. who like my people, people are, yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm good with everybody, but you know, again, boundaries and limits, but they're they're the people who it's like no I'm gonna show up for you because I know you gonna show up for me yeah no matter yeah. no matter what it is you know like you those friends where it's just like what do you need like what do you yeah, whatever what do you need you don't have to beat around the bush to ask it's like if I can help you if I can do it I'll you know show up so again I, I'll say I'm blessed in that or or it works as a blessing too because you can you get the you, like I said you find those true connections yeah your but tribe definitely something you have to be you know you have to be guarded yeah you have to be guarded yeah. so here's a question that like I feel like no one ever asked what's like your favorite thing about being a black woman who runs a business what's <laughs> the dopest thing about it <laughs> or one of honestly I think it's being able to define myself mm. and define how I want to show up Right. Mm-hmm. And I think when I was younger, I mean, really, I mean, even through college and my 20s. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my struggle was always I didn't know where I fit. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm uh, I, I'm from I'm from Maryland. I'm from Glen Burnie, uh, Glen Burnie, Baltimore area. Um, and. I lived in Baltimore, but I went to school in Glen Burnie because that's where my grandmom lived. And my grandmom provided my after school care as she did for you know most of my cousins. It's like, we go to school, we go to Nana's house. Um, and 
in Glenburnie, it's predominantly white. And so there was oftentimes all through elementary school, uh, except when I was maybe in like fourth and maybe the fifth grade, I would be the only black kid in the class. So I'm talking pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. Um, It was me and and my friend, uh, who I haven't seen in many, a really (laughs) long time, but his name was Philip Cho. Uh, And so he was the (laughs) Asian kid. Here we are. I feel me and Philip always got along. And when we were in fifth grade, we uh I was a safety monitor I was one of those kids um so and but so was he because I I think in my school it was like if you you had to be like you know on a roll like a good student like there were all Mm -hmm. these qualifications um you know and my mom didn't you know didn't play so I was doing school (laughs) right yeah but but we were um you know, we were, we were safety, safety guards or whatever. And he was my partner. So we were partnered. So we would like, you know, meet up and hold the doors or do whatever we were supposed to do. So anyway, Philip Joe, you're out there and you're listening. Uh, <laughs> shout out to you. Shout out to you. You know, I, he was my buddy. We would talk about Sega Genesis. I think Mortal Kombat was oh, big yeah. when we were, so we were just, <laughs> I just remember our conversations. Anyway, good guy. Um, but yeah, so, so, so anyway, being the only black kid uh, in these white spaces, you are automatically like othered. So it's like, mm. boom. So it's like, no matter what I do, I don't quite fit in with everything else that's going on here, right? Um, so that, so that makes you stand out. Um, I have always liked to be a little creative with my clothes, you know? And right. that wasn't always like, you know, well received or it's like, oh, she thinks she's all that because she, yeah. you yeah. know, has colorful shoes. And it's like, well, no, I just really like colorful shoes. But again, so that it's like, OK, so that makes you feel left out. Then when I when I get older and I'm in, um, you know, middle school, high school. So now there are more black kids around. Um, there's more of a little bit more of everybody around. But then it feels clicky. Right. Right. So right. there's like the black girl group and, you know, I, I should fit in that group. Right. And I do sometimes, but then I'm also in like the level four classes. So I'm also in the smart kids group. Right. Mm, so yeah, the, the kids that are, you know, thought to be like, oh, they're nerdy. You know, yeah. I'm in that group. But then I like to dance. So then I'm in the dance girl group and they're like, you know, kind of like, oh, the popular girls, if you will kind of in that arena so it's weird because it's like oh I'm existing in all of these spaces but I don't a hundred percent fit in any of them yeah you know what I mean yeah um, I do totally <laughs> it's just it's just weird so again it, I feel like I've always kind of not that you don't find your people like but it's still you feel like man I'm not completely being myself Right. Like right, even right. um Well, there's no place where you can really just like be all of the things all at once, right? You have to like compartmentalize. Once. You're like, and here's my hat for this group, and here's my hat for that group. And you're like a CIA agent or something like that. Yeah, like, I mean, and even like, and, and so for the the, <laughs> the buried part of me, it was like I was like envious of the goth kids. Cause even though like I'm a I'm a hip hop head in terms of the music that I like. But I like 
yeah. to dress punk and goth. I like black, black. I like boots. It's like my ideal outfit. I'm dressed like Celine from Underworld. Like that is right, how right, I want right. to go through my day. I want to have, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and and so, but, but again, it's like, especially when I was in the black girl group, it's like I can't tell them that because that's not what black girls do. Black girls dress like this. And that's right. what goth kids do. And so I can't do that. You know, so right. again, it's all these like opposing things. And again, so at no point are you ever being your full self. So what I like about being a business owner, entrepreneur, my own boss is like, I can do whatever I want. It's like my hair can be <laughs> whatever color I want. I can have whatever pierced. I can have whatever tattooed. I don't have any tattoos yet, but I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And I don't have to explain that to anybody. And I don't have to meet anybody else's like standard of, 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 of appearance. And what's cool is because, you know, Amal- Amalgam is a brand, right? And, I, and I'm a, a brand with it, which is, you know, weird to say, but it is, is what it is. Because of that, now even even in spaces where I might have had to shape how I'm presenting myself, I can present myself how I want because that's what's expected. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, she owns the comic book store, so you knew I wasn't going to come in a button down suit, right? You know right, what I mean? Right, and it's right. like, yeah, I got these, I got this pink thing on, and this, and you know, w- whatever. And and I might, you know, make it look a certain way. Like, okay, this is a gala so I'm going to wear something colorful and that, that stands out but it's still a it's a it's a you know it's a dressier jacket you know right. what I mean but it but it's cool to be able to say I can do whatever I want and people are going to welcome how I show up because mm. it's like oh yeah that's oh yeah she owns oh yeah her hair is always a color like that's her thing and that's really cool it's very freeing types now where <laughs> we get to say what it is like you were saying I get to show up however I want to because I decided this was the brand and you just have to say yes <laughs> right yeah and, I, and like I said it's 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 very freeing and now it's like you know I, as an adult in my core group of women that I have around me are we are so like delightfully eclectic it's like it's just you know just it's like look at our weird little asses just hanging out we found each other we're being weird together it's it's really nice it's really nice um but one thing I did want to double back and say because you you were saying like you know being a black woman when you're going in a certain space that idea of like oh being first is thrown around a lot it's thrown around a lot because I, I mean I've been asked the question about how does it feel to be the first black woman that's done X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's weird because it's like again, recognizing that that is true and, and the importance of that, but I live my life as a black woman and I don't go through life wondering if everything I've done did a black <laughs> woman do it before. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, what yeah. it's like I opened a comic book store because I've been dreaming about it since I was college it was since I was in college. I didn't open a comic book store so I could say, and now I'll go down in the history books as the first. Da, 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 right, da. right, right, right. Honestly, when you know you're trying to get the store open, it's like, gosh, I hope people show up and I hope people like what we're trying to do. You're not even thinking it's going to be a thing. 
you know, you, you're just trying to, like I said, just carve out your little space. Um, you know, and sometimes that space gets bigger, you know, e even if you weren't uh, necessarily the one that made it bigger, you know, just public reaction made Amalgam bigger than even I really envisioned it in the beginning. Mm. Because I honestly, when, I, if you would have asked me what, let's say it was 10, 10, 12 years ago, whatever, before the store opened, what owning Amalgam was going to be like, I was like, oh, I'm going to like bake cakes and I'm going to read books and I'm going to knit in between customers. Like I had this whole life of like, I'm just going to be doing all the things I like. I'm going to bake, I'm going to knit, I'm going to hang, I'm going to read books. <laughs> and, and that is not, that is not <laughs> what Amalgam was. That is not what Amalgam was. It's like, you know, I got a schedule time even to read. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I have a, um, a routine uh, that I try to keep, I do my best to keep where I read. I try to do at least 15 minutes every night before I go to bed, at least 15 minutes if I can read a chapter or an issue or whatever, you know, whatever that line of delineation is in the book reading. To, to And again, it's not for work. It's not so that I can know what's in this book so that I can tell the next mm. person so they can buy it. It's like, this is just what Arielle wants to read and that's it. Mm. You know, making time that I'm going to knit today because because if I don't, Amalgam eats up everything, everything. Mm. Like even now that I don't have a physical building anymore, there's still work to be done. And so I have to be careful. Um, You know, just and like I said, just how I'm... Uh, dividing up my time to be a little more, to be a little more balanced. Anyway, I, yeah. I mean, and, and again, when I just think about what I thought Amalgam was going to be and what Amalgam <laughs> actually was, it, they are violently different. <laughs> violently different. Violently. But, you know, but, it's all, but it's all good. And it's, you know, all good. And I'm not saying that from other place of frustration or anything. It's, it's all good. But but sometimes even when you you you're excited about something and you have this vision for what it's going to be, you got to be ready because once you give it to the world, it might change. It's going to change, mm. you know, especially like a business like mine that really was about community and, and making nerds that don't fit in in other nerd spaces feel comfortable. It's like, yeah, this is for us. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you can give each other a nod like, uh we're here, you know what I'm saying? And so in that case where this is, I'm doing it for other people, for people like me, you have to be ready for it to change. It has, because it has to, right? Like if you're, if you're trying to be there for somebody else, you have to take them into account as your business changes and, and evolves, so. This is a good segue into like, let's talk about like longevity. Um, is it love? Do you need to be crazy? <laughs> I think have you longevity. do need to be crazy. Yeah, I that, like my my big sister, she she actually gets mad at me when I say that because um, I'm like, I just feel like a crazy person. Yeah. Like even in the midst of like the heartache of, of shutting down a album, because, it, you know, I, I, I made the decision. I don't regret the decision. I know I did right. the right thing, but it was heart wrenching for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it took you, you know, a minute to still, get that space. I still have my days like a, yeah. a couple of days ago. I just I just broke down. I miss my store. I miss it. I miss everything that it was. I missed the the potential that was still untapped, the things I was working towards. Mm. Like anyway, but but I'm still here. Yeah. And you know, taking a step back. And I took a step back because I thought that taking a step back and and downgrading for a minute 
and recouping and regrouping was going to be the key to longevity for us. Yeah, yeah. And so I think really, if you want to know like what the key to longevity is, well, first of all, it's determination. Um, because, you know, if you, if you are the, the creative force behind something and you just lose your juice, it's done, right? Yeah. So, so longevity is like, perseverance, determination, and self-preservation. Like do the things you need to do to keep your love alive for the thing, you know, because mm. there are people who pursue things because they love them and by the end of it, they hate it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh my, because now it's just a job, right? Yeah. So, so if your passion is a, like for me, a passion is a driving force behind my work. I can't do good work when I'm not excited about why I'm working, right? Right. So, and so, what is the point of going into business for yourself if you're not going to be excited? Like, then you might as well just get some whatever job and work for right, somebody that you, that you know is going to give you a certain amount of dollars yeah, at regular in, intervals. Right, right, right. Your own business does not give you regular dollars at, at you know, uh, set hours at regular intervals. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's like, so do the things you have to do to preserve yourself and your passion for it. So that's part of it. Um, like, remember, you're the you're the battery. You know, yeah, so you got to yeah. you got to keep recharging yourself. Um, I think the second part of longevity is community. And has that been easy for you to build? You know, because I, I I started Black Women Are Scary to find my tribe. Like I was like, who else is Black and loves horror and <laughs> these things? Like I was like, I know we're out here. Uh, and it was kind of like a call, you know, like a like, hey, everybody, I have a I have a lighthouse. Come over here. Um, and now I feel like I have, I have community, but it took a minute. I, I, you know, you were talking about things being violently different. Like I was like, I thought I would start this and everyone would be like, yay. <laughs> and, and they would all just show up and we just like, I don't know, just like party all the time and talk about things. And there would just be all kinds of writers to, to produce and all that. And it, there are all kinds of writers to produce, but it took a minute to really get this streamlined and functioning in a way where, like you were saying, like I have the capacity to do it um, and I don't feel like it's a chore and it's still fun, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, but then there was also a lot of some negative experiences where I was like, I thought we were all in this together and I guess we're not like, kind of like <laughs> <laughs> I guess, <laughs> oh, it's not, that's not the case. You know, people say- But do, when you say that, do you mean just- people weren't showing up in the way that you thought they would, or does it mean you were having like actual negative interactions with folks? It was a little, no, I, you know, I'm not going to say that people didn't show up in the way that they didn't show up, It, but it, there was definitely like people showing up for reasons that I was surprised. Okay. That, like, oh, this is why you're here. You know, like people, the takers showing up mm -hmm. and the takers showing up and thinking that like, Showing up with this idea that you have so much just because you started something. Right. And, and I'm and like, I, I, think I don't that's a common misconception. That. Yeah, that's a common it's, it's like, oh, you opened this business or you did this thing so you can give me. It's like, I can't give you shit because I yeah. don't have shit. <laughs> because yeah. everything that I have I'm building something. <laughs> is like on the line for this business. Like, like, um, and I don't mind, I don't mind sharing this. Like you're you are emptying savings you are emptying everything like one of the things that i had to do for one of my loans was um surrender the title to my vehicle 
Now, mm -hmm. mind you, my car is the only asset I own. It's a depreciating asset, sure, but it is the only asset I own. I'm a renter. You know, I don't, I don't own anything mm. but this car yeah. that is paid off. Like it's paid off. And, and so I, I am giving that, you know, my little piece of car, but I am offering it up mm. because I believe in this. Right. Right. So then to then have interactions with people who act like you're not doing enough, it's like, well, wait, a, like, you know, wait a minute. You actually don't know what my financial situation is because, and, and, and even now, none of this is, none of this is easy. Yeah. You know, like sometimes I I look in the account and it's like, oh, I guess we're not doing that today. Yeah, <laughs> Cause, yeah. Because the money ain't there. You know what I mean? Like this, it's like it's a real grind. And so I think people need to also be clear that just because you see some somebody break out of the blocks and they're and they're running, don't think that you know they got it to just you know make it rain on you. It's like no, they're they're fighting to keep what they what they've started, right? And you don't know what people have sacrificed, what people have mm. have given up to to bring something to fruition. You know yeah. what I mean? And and then again, you know, it's like I'm I'm doing this because I saw a need because I know what it feels like to walk in a comedy right, store right. and all eyes turn on you. Yeah, I know what yeah. it feels like to walk up to the counter to buy something, and the person behind the counter says, "Oh, are these for your boyfriend?" Yeah, yeah, or. Oh, you're oh you're reading Buffy. Of course you're reading Buffy. It's like yeah, I'm reading Buffy. Because if good. Buffy was here, she would stab you. And that's <laughs> what I like about her. <laughs> because you know it's like? good. Because she slays. Now give me my thing. <laughs> she literally slays. Give me yeah. my stuff. Yeah, you know, I yeah. No. To, I don't have to justify I what I read to you. Get out of my face. You yeah. know what I mean? But but so for everybody who's ever felt that in any how however you felt it, however you you know, however you exist in the world and how that contrasts to where people think you should be in the world. That's who Amalgam was for. And I was willing to put it all on the line for it. And I did. Right. Yeah. And and now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm nursing a wound a little bit. You know, I didn't want to close the store, but I needed to close the store. Right. To, you like and I many said, people to, when that pandemic hit. To preserve yeah. self so that I don't run out of juice to keep going. Right. You know right. what I mean? And you are having it. You're going to be in a new space. Too. I know you have a residency one place, and then you're going to be well. In that's I'm one of ten finalists. Okay. So uh, I think three to four of the finalists will be chosen to actually have space. Um, but I'm honored to be a finalist. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But you know, that's one of multiple things that I'm looking into as far mm -hmm. as like what does amalgam look like next. So yeah. I'm actually looking at a few different avenues, you know, evaluating them all, seeing what, you know, what opportunities work out. And then out of the ones that work out, meaning those are things that are offered to me, what makes the most sense for me to do? You know, again, in this new kind of amalgam 2.0, I am very much thinking about how, like, how is this going to affect, you know, me physically, mentally, spiritually? Yeah. Because again, if I let myself burn out, it's That's done. It. There will be there will be no more amount. It'll be like, no, no, amalgam's done. Ariel now has a regular job. Right. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Right. And again, even the idea of having a regular job terrifies me because I'm like, what if they make me wear? I know. Flags? What if they tell me <laughs> you know, to do something to my hair or what yeah. 
Yeah. Like, what if they make me wear a shirt with a collar? Oh my or, you God, know, yeah. Like, what if I have to wear those awful It's terrifying. Shoes? It is. <laughs> it is. Me? I can't, my, you know, like, that is terrifying for me because, again, I, I definitely feel a freedom of just being able to be. So the yeah. idea of then having to, like, tame myself in any way, shape, or form to exist in someone else's space is actually very scary for me. Yeah, it's it's twofold. It's like, it's scary because you're like, what if they do this? And there's also just kind of the reality that like, and if they ask me, I don't think I'll be able to do it. It's it's like this new limitation that you have of like, oh, I can't be anything other than myself. Right. Now, right. That, I, now that I know what this is like and I've been doing this for a minute, I can't yeah, go back. It's like, like it's, going, it's going to work now. every day becomes like the worst cosplay ever. It's like, <laughs> I cosplay every day and I hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is the what is the lamest LARPing I've ever done in my life. Ugh. Yeah. It's like cosplay fail. No. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like, what is this? What is this? Office realness? This is so wack. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I hear you on the, you know, making the space where you don't have to hear these things and that being such a driving force of like, I just want to be able to talk about horror and not necessarily get mired in like, as a Black woman in horror, do you like, you know, or whatever it is, like, I want to be able to talk about all the different kinds of cultural perspectives in, in the genre in a way that's, or not, or not talk about it at all, right? Um, mm-hmm just sort of why, which is why this whole thing came about. It was just like, yeah, be the change you want to see. But but yeah, to to so much of what you were saying of people not understanding what you put on the line or just thinking like, then you did it and it was fine. And it's just like, it must be going well. Or I don't, I don't know. It's like no one really thinks, maybe because they haven't started anything, but I feel like there's a disconnect in understanding of what it takes to start something and what it takes to keep it going, especially when you're a woman of color, especially mm-hmm. because this, even if I, even if we had generational wealth to pull from, right? Like even if we had just like investment capital up to wazoo, <laughs> which we don't, and, and, and there's like real statistics in like people not funding things that are led by black women like black women having a very difficult time getting investment capital for anything because people don't want to invest in black women because they expect them to take to be taken care of by black women not to take care of black women right right? and I think the statistics I don't know the exact statistics but I just kind of in general I believe black women start the most businesses but we receive the least funding yeah and that's like Black women in a nutshell, like doing the most with the least, right? Like, <laughs> like, like right. just that's like, and so then people see you and they just, I feel like everybody knows that, but then they see you and they like, it's like a collective amnesia or something. And it's like, you know, that this is like a, a lark, like this is almost like a flash in the pan. It's a testament to my going back to longevity and me asking like, do you need to be crazy? It's and a testament to, to like, is, yes. to my craziness that I even thought to step out a line like this. Like there is nothing anywhere that says that I should be doing this or that it supports me innovating. You know, like, I don't know. I just kind of feel like I see black and brown women, like women of color, like innovating and pioneering, but they're rarely ever called visionaries. Mm. You know, that term is not given, even if they, even when they are the first. 
or the That's only. That's interesting. I got to think about that. You know, and so, yeah. yeah, it's, there's the, the surprising thing has been confronting that and confronting that, like, even in myself, like my own notions of that or my own expectations around that. Or what I thought my life was going to be like, after I did this, I was like, and then this is going to happen. And I was like, that was dumb. And then <laughs> why you thought that was going to happen? And, you know, and then with other people, like confronting even people I know or people where I just expected them to feel a different way for whatever assumptions that I have, where it's like, oh, we all have this weird blind spot. Why are we all doing that? You know, um, which is a big reason why I was like, I want to close out the season with Ariel. Did I say that right? Yes, Ariel. Hard R. <laughs> Ariel. Because... <laughs> I, you know, like, I don't know how, when or how I'm going to start season four, <laughs> you know, just kind of going off the whole, like, I don't know how I'm going to keep it going. Um, and I, yeah, I wanted to close it out with just like a real talk about like what it is to start something and keep that ball in the air um, in, in a climate that like expects you to do it and also expects not to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And like that weird, that weird push and pull of like people, I don't know, I feel, I remember when Amalgam opened, everybody was so excited and so happy for you. But I was like, so then why aren't there more? Like she's the only one. Mm -hmm. If everybody's so excited about a Black woman only a comic book store, why aren't there like a hundred grants for Black women to open a comic book store? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm just like, you're yeah. all so happy, but like, she kind of like did pull the rabbit out of a hat though, didn't she? Yeah. Uh, I and I mean, yeah. And it's, it's yeah. lack of resources. And, and it's funny because I think the other thing people don't think about, again, if you haven't done it, I think it's impossible to understand all the, the moving pieces of it. You know, so obviously it's understandable why yeah, do I some sure. some some things people just don't get so you know that's that's why it's like when I have opportunities like I will share this but mm -hmm. comic books is an inventory heavy business yeah you know what I mean when people walk into a comic book store they want to walk out with what they came for they don't yeah. want to order it they don't want to wait right okay they want to have it they want to so touch order, it yeah they want to touch it so in order for them to touch it I have to have it in order for me to have it I have to pay for it so Every, you know, everything that's on these shelves is paid for. Mm. And, and that is where your money is sitting until someone buys it. Mm. So when you're sitting on all this inventory and nobody's shopping with you, it is just this like cycle of like stress, yeah. right? Um, and again, so, so, so a business like mine being able to have access to, to, uh, grants that would that are just for like operating capital so not a grant that's like okay and with this grant I'm going to build a library or whatever but no here is just money so that yeah. you can keep the wheels greased because it takes a while to ramp yeah. up business you know and again businesses that make it are oftentimes are the businesses that have you know money in the pocket to help them through those ebbs um, yeah. you know there are definitely ebbs and flows so, yeah, I mean, but things like that, like that would be extremely helpful for businesses that are, you know, inventory heavy or have high upfront operating costs to give them a chance to actually succeed in the market. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's interesting when you start going down that route of like looking at, you know, 
grants that do that. And so much if they are focused at Black women, they they are focused in like beauty or, you know, social justice things, uh, endeavors. Um, and so then there's like this, I feel, I don't know if you found this, like an extra layer of like, well, I want to do this creative thing over here. Like you're operating in this nerd space. And so it's also like you somehow have to make a case for why comic books are important. <laughs> right. And then why you in that space is important. And it's, and it's a bit strange because it's like, well, here's all these articles that show why that is. But then when it comes down to like the grants and things, or at least for me, like I'll look at the grants and things for, you know, creating audio projects or just anything or, Or even some of these business grants of just like, hey, you have a service oriented because we do audio production for other people. Um, and just even just looking at that and it's like, but most of them, they, you know, they want somebody who's going to sell like shea butter and things like makeup and stuff for women. If it's women doing something for women, um, food, food, makeup, beauty things or like. I'm backing, I'm helping like campaigning for a democratic, you know, like, like something a little more just as, like, I'm I'm pushing forward legislation. And so I kind of go back to this whole like, right, because black women have to be a part of a solution. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe, I don't know if that's for all the business grants or things, you know, but I just definitely think I for the ones where they're like minority owned businesses, it's like, if you're going to be a person of color who owns a who's running a business, you better be making the world a better place. <laughs> it has to be like in a quantifiable way where we can like do a pie chart about it. <laughs> right. Right. And I, yeah. I think that that's, I'm finding that to be interesting as, as I hear what people say, like, it's so cool that you do this or that and the other. And then I look at like what people do or like what society is doing. So we'll see what happens. Right. Yeah, that's all we can do. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Black Tribbles because, and also in the in in the spirit of longevity, because Black Tribbles was on for a very long time. 10 years. 10 years. Is there anything from that experience of just being a part? And that was dedicated to like blurred culture. Like that was one of the first like blurred anything that I heard. I was like- Oh yeah, me too. So, so <laughs> I, I joined Black Tribbles in, in their seventh year. So I was- I was lucky number seven. I was lucky number seven. I believe I was like my first show or the announcement when we announced that I was joining the show was like on the seventh. No, I want to say it was like seven, July seventh. Yeah, I think it was the seventh day of the seventh month, the seventh member in the seventh year. Dope, dope. <laughs> so I was like, that, that was like, I was like, oh, lucky number seven. Um, but yeah, I I think. Uh, in terms of that experience, definitely seeing what it takes to put on a weekly show mm. um, and just new respect for, um, you know, podcasting as a whole, but definitely like, and, 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 you know, Black Tribbles was also a radio show in the end. So yeah, we yeah. actually had like a set time slot. And so to be constantly producing content and putting together shows for each week, you know, just seeing, like seeing, that work up close um, and just kind of learning, you know, learning about podcasts. Yeah. Uh, so all of it was a learning experience. And I think um, one that I'm appreciative for and one that I think, and I hope has prepared me to do some, some other cool things 
you know, yeah. to, to branch out and, and, you know, be a creative. Cause that's the thing with creatives. It's like, don't make me just do one thing. I want to do many things. Right. So it's like, yeah. so to have something else kind of in the arsenal and as far as the things I've been exposed to and thinking like, Oh man, could I do that? Could I, you know, what does that look like? It's just really cool. So I, I really appreciate the black troubles, you know, all, you know, the whole black troubles crew, um, you know, special shout out to Randy, <clears throat> mm. aka our son, the voice of reason, <laughs> super triple, aka the comic book Jedi. Um, he was a fellow triple and also uh, a my comic book Jedi at Amalgam. Um, so definitely got to shout him out. Uh, and then uh, just special shout out to my friend Len. Uh, yeah, Len. You know Len. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just. And, and just like the friendship, I mean, really the friendship with everyone, but Len and I, you know, it, it's, you know, he's, he's one of my best friends and it's so crazy. Cause I remember when I was a fan, like I remember meeting him and Kennedy and, and just like being, I don't know if I even made sense. Was I being coherent? Who knows? Because I was just starstruck. <laughs> I thought they were so cool. I was like, I want them to like me. I hope they think I'm nerdy enough. I hope they, you know, I'm, I I was just so anxious about the whole thing. Like I remember walking into the bar where we met and I kind of, you know, had the, the jitters a little bit. I was really mm. nervous. And then now for him to be you know, one of my best friends, like he was, we were texting right before I like logged on the call. Um, and you know, so and amazing. and and it's just it's like it's just like an awesome thing. So I'm I'm really I'm really thankful, you know, for Black Tribbles for that experience, for Lynn being a visionary there and bringing together, yeah, yeah, like yeah. such even even among Black nerds, we were a diverse group, which just also shows that like Black nerdiness does not look one way. It's right. like we all have our things that we geek about. We all have our things like oh I love that, but I hate that. You know, we all got our you know, unpopular opinions about nerd culture. And I just thought that was so dope. Um, so yeah, shout out Black Tribbles, Black Tribbles forever. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Black Tribbles is like one of the first like, yeah, radio, like just hearing Black people do nerdy things on air. <laughs> I was just like, what is this? Black Tribbles bought one of my albums, like when I was just making music. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, like I think it was like part of a fundraising something and I was like yeah like I've known I've known you guys from I, I don't know if you were a part of Black Tribbles when that happened because that was a long time ago but you know there was just so many there was like when I first started writing horror for theater it was read on Black Tribbles like it's just like so it was on for a long time for for a lot of like nerdy Black people like that was I just felt like that was the destination um yeah. Cause you had that whole Afrofuturism month where you would read like works by people and I'd hear about other folks there, you know? So it was just like, so when it, when I came back to Philly, it was like, I have to work with, I was like, I gotta work with these people. I gotta work mm -hmm. with somebody that, you know, I was excited to have Kennedy on the podcast. I've had Lynn, I recorded in his studio. And I also have had him do some work with some other audio production I've done for other companies, like have him read cause he's got a great voice. So it's like, and now you're here. I'm talking to you. You know, <laughs> for a while. Um, yeah, and also shout out, like shout out Kennedy. Um, yeah, yeah, shout she, out Kennedy. She, she, uh, she's just she's phenomenal. Um, and she, 
he makes an appearance uh, on the Amalgam Airwaves here and then. Uh, she's like our go-to host when we have special events. Uh, Yeah, she's a good, she's she's a great so, host. she's so, yeah, she's a great host. Great Um, host, great guest. great guest, funny, all that. So <laughs> yeah, shout out. Oh, Triple Crew, we so dope. <laughs> yeah, and everybody's doing, everyone's doing their own thing now. You know, like Kennedy is, has many podcasts <laughs> and I Yeah, see she her does. like, you know, making appearances and, and you know, doing that. And I think Len is, is now producing more, more things. Yeah, I He's mean, really so he producing also a lot. is a man of, of multiple podcasts, but yes, he is producing and, and recording, doing work, editing for other people. So, yeah. And then Gabe, I mean, I know she does, she does incredible sound, sound design for us here and then also has the ghouls next door, right? The Ghouls Next Door. Um, Yes. and <laughs> doing lots of like work with Cinespeak and her own. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, And, it and seems, she's a phenomenal cosplayer. <laughs> she I'm does all, have I'm, so, some pretty I'm just great always costumes. like, good grief. It's like, how does she, anyway, it's just cool. Like I, like I appreciate cosplay so much and I have dabbled, but I don't consider myself a cosplayer, Yeah. but Yeah, I'm when here for it, but like I'm too lazy to put together this. I'm, I know it's, it's just like, I want to do it, but then I was like, hmm, I'm probably not going to get that done. But yeah, she, I, I, I always love, um, with the ghouls because now Gabe and Kat like dress up. So I just appreciate like them kind of creating the ambiance, you know, for their Yeah. viewers and listeners, which is really cool. Yeah. So I did I did want to like just exclamation point to that that space because I do feel like that was a hub and then there's a lot that has come from that all the members of Black Dribbles have gone on to do influential things um, just in the spaces that we're talking about are just people of color and nerdy spaces so yay for them um, and, and also it's one of the longest like blurdy things out there <laughs> I Oh mean it really? was on Now for that I did I didn't know that. I mean I think it I don't know of many other Is what Okay. I like. I'm just kind of like Black Tribbles was on for 10 years and I'm not really sure if anyone else because Surpassed it, it, it's it. all still so new. True. So, I mean, That give it is time. funny. It's like in 50 years there'll be data about it, but right now we're living it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're living in the moment. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so you, yeah, this has been awesome. You are wrapping up this season three. I can't think of a better way to like close out season three uh, and see like We'll see what happens next. We'll see if we can come back in the fall. I have some ideas. I have some ideas of who, I, you know, the stories I want to produce, but you know, it's all like donate y'all. If you're listening, <laughs> become Oh, regular yeah. Yeah, please. donors. It goes right to making the audio. It goes right to the voiceover actors and the sound designers and, and the authors. Yes, donate. Support the art. Support Yeah. Black women. Support Support Black dope women. shit. <laughs> Yeah. Support dope shit. Support uh, spooky Black chicks is what I like to say. support spooky black chicks uh support black chicks doing weird things <laughs> Always. yeah support weird black women <laughs> <laughs> Those are and my so, people. yeah yeah those are the people uh and like <laughs> go to amalgam amalgam.com right amalgam, uh, yes, amalgamphilly.com. yeah okay okay right Amalgamphilly.com, so now it's gonna A-M-A-L-G-A-M-P-H-I-L-L-Y. Uh, all and right you can also find us at Amalgam Philly on all the social medias. Thank you for tuning in. This is the end of our season, and if you like what you've heard, 
please support us spooky black chicks with a tax-deductible contribution to the link in the bio. Your contributions will go towards production costs and help us continue to support new authors and new scary stories. Till next time.